Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro. I'm a partner at Steichman Elliott in the Private Equity and M&A Group. For today's special guest, I'd like to welcome Chris Hutchinson. Chris is a partner in the Strategy and Transactions Practice Group at Ernst & Young. And Chris has been a deal maker for many, many years uh, and his focus is on the middle market. Chris, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Mario. It's great to be here. Chris, I'd like to start by just talking a little bit about yourself, uh, your history, uh, and your practice at ENY and uh, and your group. I'd love to learn, uh, have our viewers learn more about you and your practice. Sure. Thanks, Mario. So yeah, Chris Hutchinson, um, yeah, partner at EY. I've been doing this now for north of 15 years and really have you know, after doing my CA and, and starting at a mid-sized firm, I moved into the transactions practice, which really has covered, you know, the main business being kind of M&A advisory. So, you know, some people call it investment banking or M&A advisory, helping buy or sell private companies. Um, and then I also do work as, you know, financial due diligence on a lot of mid-market transactions. So quality earnings reports uh, that, you know, you and I have, interacted on at least a dozen, maybe 20 of those over the years. But in the, in the M&A group ourselves, we're, you know, we're 60 people across Canada, uh, 20 people in Ontario, and really yeah, doing deals anywhere from 20 million to 250 million would be the kind of normal range and obviously some exceptions above and, and below that. Chris, I know you've been busy like uh, the rest of the advisors and service providers in the last year and a half since COVID started and I wanted to ask you if you can give us a bit of, uh, of a perspective on your experience at ENY and what you've been seeing this last year and a half. What's going on out there from, from your experience and what you're working on? Yeah, so it's it's been definitely, you know, knock wood that it continues, but it's been probably the busiest stretch since last September, probably the busiest stretch of my career in, in the deal market. Um, obviously, when COVID first hit, there was a lot of, it was crazy busy, but it was more dealing with, you know, dealing with the panic and dealing with what's going on. But really, for the last year plus now, it's just been, you know, record amounts of deals being done. Um, and it's been obviously a good market to be a part of. But our biggest challenge, is, as many people are facing, is, is you know, retaining people because there's just, there's not enough people to go around to do the work that needs to get done. And Chris, I know you've been closing deals. You've kind of seen the effects of uh, COVID on, on deal flow. And I was hoping maybe we can drill down a bit and just learn a little bit more about the experience that you've, you've had with uh, COVID's effect on deal flow and deal activity and getting yeah. things done. Yeah, for sure. Like it, I think what's driving a lot of what we're seeing with the heightened activity is obviously there's a lot of the fundamentals are there. So the private equity has record amounts of money, um, you know, private public companies and large corporate buyers have record amounts of money. Debt markets are at all time highs in terms of, you know, am amounts that banks are willing to lend on deals and, you know, how loose the covenants are and how low the interest rates are. So that's all on the buy side. And then on, on the selling side, you've got, again, a whole host of private business owners who, you know, probably were, some of them were already, you know, due to transact and held off. 
and I think a lot of them, even though COVID didn't necessarily hurt their business, there's there's an emotional toll and kind of a you know a bit of a life kind of questioning stuff that people are doing through COVID with just that emotional toll of you know the responsibility of people in their company and just just the personal things that would be going on in their life that has pushed a lot of people to the stress of saying like this is this really worth it anymore is this really what I want and then you combine that with if you kind of exclude a few sectors you know like travel hospitality you know entertainment take those out of the equation what we've seen Mario is that most companies that we deal with especially in you know consumer products and those type of businesses had record years in 2020. Sometimes, you know, it was supported by the the government subsidies, but a lot of times it was just supported by the incredible demand from consumers who've reallocated their spending from those travel, hospitality, entertainment buckets to to goods. And so if you combine that kind of demand of of the people who have money looking to buy something and the supply of the business owners that, you know, frankly are looking at hearing that the valuations are better than they've ever been and and looking at their own numbers and saying, well, these are great numbers, you know, why wouldn't I sell now? It's just created this perfect storm. You know, we hear, I call this the COVID bump, you know, that the, just the, yeah. the incredible one year uh, increase that some companies have had just because they're, you know, they're in the right sector that, that speaks to the, to the environment that we're in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're on the front lines, you're trying to get deal done, where people look back, not only a one year returns, but two, three and trying to, you know, buyers are obviously looking to see patterns and, and have to, you know, pay multiples on, on pattern. How, how are you managing the COVID bump? Like, how do you, how do you position, yeah. I mean, you, how do you position companies to, to, you know, whatever the right word is, Chris, maximize, uh, right. given they had this great yeah. year? Uh, how, how are you managing? So I think it's, it's really about trying to get to the heart of the issue in each business and each business is unique and some industries like again the consumer goods there has been record demand for those businesses but a lot of them are also finding new ways to sell so if you look at businesses that are selling online some of that increase and some of that lift is permanent right because people that never bought online are now buying online. And so those type of companies, you might not say, well, it's a bump and it's going to come back down because it's a bump, but it's also a new pattern of buying that's going to create a bigger market for them going forward. I think other companies like, you know, a lot of one of the hottest sectors we're seeing in our practice is technology and software. And those businesses, you know, there's been so much activity in that space because frankly, they're, they're almost immune from COVID. So they haven't really seen a bump or a letdown because so many of them are based on recurring revenue that happens every month, uh, no matter what the kind of COVID situation is. So, so I think it really is about looking at the facts and circumstances of each individual business, putting it in the context of where they sit in their industry, and then really just putting the story forward that actually makes sense and I think the truth of it is that the stories that make sense um, are going to still be believable and be supported and paid for by the buyers in the market. Um, and particularly when an opportunity is 
you know, very attractive to the market, people are going to find ways to convince the, you know, to be convinced that the truth, you know, the best years are ahead um, versus, you know, in a, in an industry or with an asset that doesn't have a lot of interest, then it, then that becomes a bigger issue. Can I ask you, Chris, you know, one of the things and you hear it in the news all the time now is, is that the next six to 12 months, there's going to be a, a, a ton of supply chain issues. The product is going to be hard to find. I mean, how, how are you seeing in your practice this uh, pushback from people who say, you, you know, you might have had a great 2020, but you ain't going to have the same in 21 and 22 because supply chain is going to start to show the problems of supply chain dynamics are going to start to show their face. And this company won't be able to sustain the kind of growth. Like, how are you managing that part of it? I mean, it seems incredible to think, but we we may be seeing a problem where the, there's a ton of customers, but no product. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that's, it's a very real problem. We're seeing it with, again, almost any company that we're working with today that is in some way involved in touching goods that are coming from overseas are facing this problem. And I think in a lot of ways, it's almost like a reverse COVID where, you know, in COVID, a lot of those companies were doing incredibly well and people are questioning whether that's sustainable on the sales side. Now, I think it's almost the opposite, which is, you know, you're having to explain to buyers that, look, the company still has incredible demand and is, and is on a great trajectory. However, when there's backlogs and backlogs of ships in the port of LA and all these different supply chain challenges where the cost of a container has gone from $2,500 out of China to $25,000. Those are just realities that in a lot of ways are creating this reverse COVID effect where the company may be just as strong or stronger than it was pre-COVID. But this year in particular is going to be a challenge because the supply cannot keep up with uh, with the demand and so then the real kind of question is what are the you know what are the fundamentals of this business that are going to make it um, successful six years six months from now 12 months from now three years from now and I think the the buyers ultimately are you know they're going to have to ask their questions of what do they believe in for the long term of the business because if you just look at the last three months or the next two months for most of these businesses, you're really not getting a true reflection of, of kind of the cash flow or the trajectory of that business because of the supply chain. So Chris, I know we, we've talked a lot about uh, the COVID bump. We've even talked about, uh, like the way you put it, the reverse COVID effect. I mean, obviously the impact on deal making has been uh, significant with uh, these, you know, huge one-year changes uh, over the last few years. Do you think we're going to go back to kind of a normal deal-making environment, whether it's a few years from now or not? Or is there something more fundamental here in your opinion, Chris? Like is the COVID bumps, is the reverse COVIDs, are these wild swings going to become part of our our deal-making environment that we just have to get used to? Yeah, so I think it's a really good question. And I think that certainly this, again, the, the kind of reverse COVID impact from supply chain is I think going to cause some, you know, make it not so easy for the, again, those consumer products companies to, to show this great trajectory. And so I think that will cool some of, 
some you know that part of the industry a little bit but i think frankly that you know the money in the system isn't going away um you know i don't know any private equity groups that have said well i'm going to start take giving my money back to to the to the lps cuz that's not how they make their money so so the system is built to continue to to have a lot of momentum I think if anything, what's going to happen is, uh, you know, I already we talked about the cost increases, you know, in shipping and steel and lumber. They're everywhere. I don't know how eventually the that doesn't create a need to raise interest rates. And I think once interest rates go up, then all of a sudden that could put um, that could put a dampening on valuations. Personally, I you know I hope and I don't expect that we're heading for some, you know big crash because I think there's just strong fundamental um, you know there's there's a strong economy out there and I, I don't see it just suddenly falling off a cliff and similarly you know there's so much fundamental M&A activity that frankly if you, if you think back Mario 10 years ago most companies and most business owners were not as focused on thinking about M&A whether it was selling or buying it just it's so much more part of the boardroom you know table discussion whether that boardroom is you know big corporate companies that are thinking about car votes or thinking about acquisitions or whether that's you know again family you know so many small businesses small mid-sized private businesses that are again either thinking about a sale or want to go buy something and then you add that all the people out there and you and I have seen it grow from you know, five to hundreds even in Toronto of just people who want to buy a business. Um, it's, it's, again, it's become something that's just institutionally part of the fabric of our economy. You know, I just don't think it ever was as much part of our economy, you know, rolling back 10 or 20 years. So I don't think it can reverse back to the low points that we may have seen before. At least that's my, that's my hope. And just to add to that, Chris, and I know, I've been seeing it with, uh, you know, the obviously the increase in valuations over the last year and a half has probably been the most surprising element yeah. of this market because of the uncertainty. Yeah. But to add on to that, I, I know I've been seeing it in my practice and wanted to ask your thoughts on it. Like even in those situations with the COVID bumps, even with the reverse COVIDs, even with numbers that seem out of whack with historical experiences, it fears the buyers have been willing to pay more, uh, even with these an anomalies that are showing up and wanted to get your perspective on valuations with all these uh, moving parts, particularly given in some cases the growth and in some cases the supply chain issues uh, sounds yeah. like you're you're still seeing the valuations strong and oh yeah increasing yeah we're seeing them strong and again i think it's it really just comes down i think the valuations is the one that is probably most exposed to the cost of capital and the debt in markets um because that's where you know people are can get such cheap money to fund so many, so much of the transaction that, and again, keep in mind that lenders are figuring out more and more how to lend to deals in the tech space and in, in these <clears throat> spaces that require a different lens. Um, and so you can't just say, well, I'm going to give you three, three turns of EBITDA because 
sometimes in a software deal, there is no EBITDA, but lenders are more and more lenders are figuring out how to fund those deals. Uh, and so again, I think the valuations, if they're going to cool, it's going to be because the cost of debt will go up. Um, and it's going to be because, you know, maybe there will be a little more balance in terms of supply and demand in the deal environment. Um, but but I, I, I don't see a, again, a, a huge big correction coming. And I think there's enough, you know, fundamental economic strength in our economy that will keep valuations at a reasonable pace. I mean, I want to ask you the question I ask all our guests, Chris, the crystal ball question, and we're kind of at a perfect point for it because we've been kind of talking about what the future brings. I wanted to get your perspective. I mean, you've been doing deals a long time. What you see or what your perspective is on where deal making is going, given all that's happened in the last year and a half particularly yeah i think the real answer becomes it's going to be sector specific um and, and again i think as i look at our practice we've moved you know as a firm and as a MA practice more and more to looking at sector and so again what might you know i think there's a very there's so much momentum in software and technology uh, because it's really taking over so many parts of the world and so many parts of businesses that that's where growth is is the strongest. And so that, I think, is going to continue to be very strong. I think, again, consumer products businesses, as we get back to more travel and more entertainment, and demand cools and these supply chain problems, those kind of markets may be tougher. Um, and then you can kind of, again, you can kind of pick and choose depending on the sector and kind of look at the underlying factors in that market, whether it's, you know, who are the private equity players focused on that sector, what strategics are active in the sector. I think that in a lot of ways is going to drive the direction that a lot of these kind of M&A environments go on a sector by sector basis. So if that's a cop-out answer, I, I don't know, but <laughs> but it's... I think it is so distinct that it's hard to put it all under one lens. Well, Chris, thank you for joining us. Really, really appreciate your, your insight and you, you taught me some new terminology today, man, the reverse <laughs> COVID. So, so I, I appreciate that perspective. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Always great to chat. <laughs>